My name's Jason Doman. I'm one of the pastors here at Alpine Church. Uh, I know what you guys are thinking. This guy was here just two weeks ago. Uh, and so I don't know whether to say I'm sorry or you're welcome. I don't know if it's a blessing or a curse. I'm not sure what's, what's going on here. It is a blessing, absolutely. Uh, but I am excited to be here. I was here to kick off Mark chapter 4, and uh, today we're going to be closing Mark chapter 4. And so for me, uh, this, this has been such a, a cool series, and uh, I'm going to get into this thing because I've got a lot to cover. So we're going to be in Mark chapter 4, uh, verses 35 through 41 today. So this is where we find the, the famous story where Jesus calms the sea. And so far, we've, we've seen the miraculous power of Jesus in, in a few different ways, right? We've seen it in his healings. He's healed the, the paralytics, the, the, the lepers, the, the chronically sick. We've seen him cast out demons and, and forgive sins. And we, we read that the miracles were, they were, there were so many miracles happening that there was just this buzz throughout all of the region, right? Everybody wanted to, to know more about this Jesus guy that they were hearing about. And so today we're gonna add his authority over creation itself into his line of miracles. We're one slide ahead, here we go. There we go, calming the storm. So this is, this is all about Jesus' authority over creation. And so let me ask, was anybody able to see the Northern Lights this past week? Again, nobody, man, Ogden gets all of the good stuff, right? You, you, okay, one person saw the Northern Lights, right? So I'm, I, I, ain't, I ain't no good with science, uh, but from what I understand, what happens is, is some particles run into some other particles, and boom. Right, we, get, we get this amazing light show, and really throughout all of the Bible, there are tons and tons of miracles that happen in nature, and, and this is the first one that we read about from Mark but this one, it really revolves around the fear of some of Jesus' closest disciples. And so I want to start with just a basic understanding of fear. Because fear is, is this automatic emotion, right? It's not something we really control. Like fear just shows up out of nowhere. And so it happens automatically. And really it helps our conscience be vigilant about our safety. That's really what happens when we experience fear. But, but what happens after that, for many of us, is, is we experience this secondary emotion, which is anxiety. Right? And so we're going to contrast a little bit today between fear and anxiety. And so, uh, as I've already given you the spoiler, this is the question I want you to think about today. How do you react to fear? How do you react to fear? Fear is something that, that all of us experience, Right? All of us go through fear at different points in our life, and, and for some of us, the, the cause might be something that's, that's fairly rational, right? like snakes or, or spiders or the fear of heights, the fear of tight spaces, squirrels. <laughs> you guys are going to learn a lot about me today. <clears throat> uh, or clowns or porcelain dolls, right? Like rational fears. But, but some people have a little more irrational fears, not like squirrels, but some of you might suffer from globophobia, which is the fear of balloons, which is a lot like the fear of clowns. They go hand in hand, I think, right? Some of you, if, if you've never volunteered to serve in our youth ministry, you might struggle with ephipophobia, which is the fear of adolescence. That's a real thing. <clears throat> if you are a member if you go to our youth group, uh, specifically the young teenage boys, you might suffer from ablutophobia, which is the fear of bathing. 
And my personal favorite is omphalophobia, <clears throat> which is the fear of belly buttons. And if you're thinking, wow, Pastor Jason, why is that your favorite? I'm glad you asked. Let me tell you. If you have a student in youth group, you might be aware of the fact that I have a fake belly button. <laughs> now you get to think about that today, right? When you're trying to fall asleep, you're like, how does that, how does that work? <clears throat> so one of the most common things, one of the most common questions I hear at Fusion is, Pastor Jason, can I see your belly button? And so just like after the sermon, when you come up to me today and say, Pastor Jason, can I see your belly button? The answer is no. Okay, not today, not at Fusion, it's never going to happen. There's been, the students have gone far enough to actually offer my kids money to take a picture of my belly button while I'm sleeping. <laughs> okay, so this is a game that happens at Fusion. They want to see my, and now you guys are all part of the game, so well, you're welcome. Hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, but fear, it really, it really can be a little irrational, but it can also be a good thing. Right? It, can, it can be a good thing because really fear is, is an emotion that, that, that tunes us in to safety. Right? It forces us to, to focus on, on a threat that we perceive and how that threat might affect us, how that might impact us. And then anxiety is a reaction to that fear. And for most of us, that reaction, it, it manifests itself in one of three ways, fight, flight, or freeze. Right, and so for fight, for those of us who, who fight it, like we just, we're not gonna back down, we're gonna stand up, it might be, it might be an actual physical fight, it might be an emotional battle, right, but we're, we're not gonna back down, we're gonna stand up and fight against our fear. For some of us, it's that flight, like we just, we don't wanna be in that situation, we wanna get away from danger, we wanna remove ourselves from whatever's happening, and so we, we flee, right? And then, and then there's those of us who our body just like breaks when, when fear happens, like everything just stops working, and so you just freeze, Right? Just nothing else is going to happen. You're just, you're just going to freeze. But we need to know about a fourth option. There is another response to fear. And as we continue through our study of Mark chapter 4, we're going to see this fourth option, which is faith. Okay, so we really have the, the four Fs. There's four options there. We have fight, flight, freeze, and faith. So again, how do you react to fear? How do you react to fear? Is it with anxiety and, and worry of some sort? Or is it with faith. So we're going to be in Mark chapter 4 again, so go ahead and open your Bible, your Bible app, and, and, and turn to verse 35 is where we're going to start out. It says, as evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat, and they started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. Okay, so first thing first here, the, the Sea of Galilee is not actually a sea. It is a lake, okay? And that lake at its surface sits at about 700 feet below sea level, okay? And then the Sea of Galilee, it reaches depths of about 140 feet. So just based off of it, it, its properties and its location and the surrounding terrain, it's pretty frequent that it experiences these, these short but, but very violent storms, right? This happens quite a bit on the Sea of Galilee. Now, I don't know what this says about me. I don't know if this is a bad thing or not, but I'm, I'm, I'm an avid people watcher. Like, I love to watch people. Like, I could go to a mall or an airport and just sit there all day and watch people. And so one of my most favorite things to do when we go on vacation, if we go somewhere with a beach, is to sit on the beach and watch people. Most specifically, I love to watch people get absolutely obliterated by big waves. 
See, I don't really know what this says about it. Like, I don't want them to get hurt, <laughs> right? But just the sheer power and the force of a, of a wave. Like, I'm, I'm a decent-sized guy. I'm, I'm a pretty big guy, and I've experienced that and just been in awe of how strong that, that wave was. And so that's probably why I enjoy watching other people experience the, the, the torture that I went through. But there, there's just something about water that is like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe how powerful that is. And so just imagining being out there in a lake that's being torn apart by, by waves in a boat. Just that, like it makes my hands sweaty just even, even just thinking about it. Sorry, I just, as I rubbed that, I clicked. We're gonna go, okay, so we're good. All right, so, so these waves, they're, they're breaking over the, the side of the boat and they're filling it with water. The disciples, though, they're, 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 they're fishermen. Like, they're certainly used to, to being out in the, in the storms, right, while, while, they're, while they're fishing. And, and most of these disciples, they've, they've spent their entire fishing careers on this very lake. So they, they would have been familiar with it. They would have understand how it behaves. And it says that they, they set out in the evening, right? So think about it. They're out in the middle of the lake. Now they've got this storm that shows up. So they've got waves and wind. It's dark because if they had lanterns, by now they've been doused by the storm. And they're just sitting there just... It, it, whatever is going to happen is going to happen, right? They have no idea what to expect. And, and, and so in, in, this is, in 1986, they actually, uh, it was during a drought, they actually discovered an ancient Galilean fishing boat. So this thing is about 27 feet long, and at its widest point, it's seven and a half feet. So nothing about being in this thing on the lake in the middle of a storm makes me happy. Rather, there's no feel-goods happening when I think about being in this thing uh, on the, the lake. And so uh, the, even, as, even the fishermen who were there, like they, they might have been okay. Like they might have felt comfortable with what was happening, but not all of the disciples were fishermen, right? So they, they would have been the ones who were, who were, who were panicking, who were, who were terrified about what was taking place. I think it's important to note here, though, that the, the, the ocean... And, and the seas, and just water in general, they, they represent something at this time. They represent this kind of powerful and, and, and scary place that can bring injury and even death. Right? Water right now, at this point, it represents something that causes fear. And so one of the, one of the commentaries that I, I use, it says this. It says, in Old Testament theology, the fallenness of creation is symbolized by the powerful forces of the sea, the primeval deep characterized by chaos. So for the past two weeks now, we've been looking at, at some of the parables of Jesus. And, and this storm, this, this isn't a parable. This isn't one of those stories, right? This is actually taking place. And so if you remember, a parable is just when Jesus would use a commonplace thing, something that would be familiar to his, his listeners, and he uses that to, to give a, a deeper, more, more heavenly right, explanation. And so uh, as, as we think about what's going on here with the storm, we, we need to recognize that, that this isn't something that was just a random occurrence. Right? If we just read this story and look at it like, oh, they were just out there and this storm just happened to show up. No, like we need to understand that God brings us to and through storms. Okay, God brings us to and through storms. He actually tests our faith. Look what it says in 1 Peter. It says, These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, 
It will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. You guys, there are so many examples of these storms in our everyday lives. All of us experience these things, whether it's, it's marriage or, and family problems, whether it's financial issues, whether it's addiction or, or physical ailments or mental or emotional disorders, whether it's natural disasters, spiritual warfare, like all of these things are going on in our everyday lives and these are the storms that we're battling. But here's the thing, we can and we should look at life storms, not as disasters, but as opportunities to see God's transforming power at work in our lives. Okay, we can and we should look at those storms in our lives as an opportunity for God to work in us. Jesus, he, he wasn't caught off guard by the storm. He knew exactly what was going to happen when he said, hey, let's cross to the other side of the lake. He knew what was going to happen. He also knew what was going to happen when they arrived on the other side of the lake. But you're going to have to come back next week to hear about the demon-possessed man that they encountered. All right, but even that encounter was, was just another event that would be a training session for the disciples. Right, first to, to on who Jesus is and second on actually trusting him. I think that I think that a lot of times we forget that God's will is good. We forget that God's will is good. And sometimes God will take us through disasters intentionally. God will take us through disasters intentionally. And and many of us, probably most of us, uh, in our spiritual immaturity at times in our life, you know, when we were spiritually immature, we probably looked at those situations, at those storms, and we probably formed some pretty harsh opinions about God and his love for us and how much he cares for us. And listen, if that's, if that's you, I want you to know that you're not alone. You're not alone. All of us have been there or will be there, okay? And even his disciples, his closest disciples, they weren't exempt from feeling that, that, that same thing as we continue on in verse 38, It says, Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up shouting, teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. So before we we move on and talk about the disciples' attitudes here, I think we need to pay close attention to this reminder here of of Jesus' simultaneous deity and his humanity. Because Jesus is fully God and he's fully man. Right? Only God can control the waves and the wind. Only God can do that. And Jesus is, is, is showing his deity here by doing exactly that. And yet God doesn't sleep. But Jesus has been working all day. He's tired. He needs a nap, just like we do when we've been working all day, right? Our body's giving out. We need, we need to rest. We need, we need time to recover. And so Jesus is, is showing his humanity here by, by sleeping on the boat. We're not going to spend a lot of time on, on, on this, but just to understand that, that Jesus' nature as both fully God and, and fully man, okay, hypostasis is the, the theological term or a hypostatic union, is what we would say in theology. Like just understanding that that is part of who Jesus is. Like that you need to understand that to fully understand who Jesus is and, and what he has done. 
So that's, that's all I'll say about that part. But for, for the disciples, like they, they really show a lack of faith here. Right? They, they show a, a lack of faith, but also they're just kind of straight up rude. Right? They, 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 they wake Jesus up. They have the nerve to ask him if he even cares. Right? The text says that they're, they're, they're shouting at him. They're blatantly just questioning his heart and his goodness. And remember, this is only hours and days since they witnessed Jesus performing all these miracles. They witnessed the mercy that Jesus had for people. And yet they're still questioning him. Up, They, they wake him up from his sleep and just berate him. And I, I, I love this scene here, though, because this, this really shows us such a wonderful picture of, of who Jesus is, right? Like Jesus, he was gracious with his power. He uses his, his authority not to judge, but to save. Right? Jesus rebukes the, the wind and the, and, and the water and the waves. He doesn't rebuke the dudes who just woke him up and are yelling at him. Right? Jesus shows amazing grace here. And so I, I just I want you guys to know that, that, that God hears your prayers. God hears your prayers. Even in your most frantic fear and unfaithfulness, God, God has absolutely answered prayers in my life. Even when my faith was wavering, even when I was questioning God's goodness and his will towards me, God still hears and answers our prayers. Even in the middle of the storm, he hears and he answers our prayers. So I want to I look at a, a passage from, from the Old Testament uh, this is in the book of Psalms, and it's just crazy how many similarities this passage has to our story today. It's Psalm 107, 23 through 30. It says, those who go down to the sea in ships, who do business on great waters, they have seen the work of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. For he spoke and raised up a stormy wind, which lifted up the waves of the sea. They rose up to the heavens, and they went down to the depths. Their soul melted away in their misery. They reeled and staggered like a drunken man and were at their wit's end. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he brought them out of their distresses. He caused the storm to be still, so that the waves of the sea were hushed, and then they, they were glad because they were quiet. So he guided them to their desired haven. So, so many similarities in this psalm to what, what we're reading about in this story, but this last verse is the one I want to focus on, verse 31. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness and for his wonders to the sons of men. See, the, the, the proper perspective that we should have on, on God exercising his will in our world is one of gratitude and praise. If you remember the story when, when Peter, James, and John first met Jesus, right? they had been out fishing all night long and they hadn't, they hadn't caught anything. And they come in, and there's this guy standing on shore. They have no idea who he is, right? He gets in their boat, and he teaches a little bit, and then he says, hey, cast your net out one more time. And just knowing Peter, right, like, I'm sure he was just like, okay, buddy, right? Like, yeah, right. But they do it. They cast out their net one more time, and they have this amazing catch. And listen to how Peter responds. He says, but when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O oh Lord. See, after seeing Jesus' power and authority, Peter repented. 
and he fell down in humility. That is the right response to a gracious and powerful God. That is how we should respond when God is working in our lives. And so, so what do we do with this? How do, we, how do we apply this to our lives today? We have to know that, that storms are going to come. Now, we have to know that in life we're going to face trials, we're going to face hardships, but how will we respond? How will we respond to those things? Because our goal as Christians is to, is to live a life that, that mirrors Jesus, to be more and more like Jesus, to interact with people in the way Jesus interacts with people, right? To make our lives look like his. And, and here's the thing is, is Jesus was calm even through the storm, right? My guy took a nap on the boat during the storm. Like, he was not worried he knows that he is in control. Do we know that? Do you know that Jesus is in control? See, knowing that Jesus is the sovereign Lord, that ought to bring us great peace. His disciples, their, their fear kind of reveals their, their lack of faith. Right? They, they still weren't quite close enough to Jesus in relationship and trust to really know who he is. But he is God. He is good. He is loving. He is kind. He is faithful. He's forgiving. He is patient. And I, I love what Jesus does here. He, he asks them this, this very pointed question in, in verse 40. It says, Then he asked him, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man, they asked each other. Even the wind and the waves obey him. Jesus is, is so patient with his disciples. He is so patient with their lack of faith. He's been telling us from the very beginning not to have fear, that he is in control. Look at Isaiah 41.10. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Now, just a, a, a little bit of trivia information to go along with my belly button facts. Uh, the Bible says, do not fear or fear not, at least 365 times. So that's one verse every day for the entire year, to remind you to, to not fear. I don't know what that means about leap year. I guess every four years you get one cheat day, right? Like a diet, you get one day to just get all of your fear and anxiety out. That's your, that's your one day a year, okay? So there's, there's two rhetorical questions that are, that are asked here, and, and one about their fear and one about their lack of faith. And, and really, these, these two questions, they, they go hand in hand, okay? So the, the disciples, they had seen so many miracles at this point. They had been with Jesus, doing ministry long enough that they should have known Jesus' heart. They should have known and trusted their safety to him. Remember, it says that, that so many miracles were, were being performed that people were coming from all over to witness them. His disciples should have known but the same is, is true for us. Like when, when we're going through storms, when we're experiencing, like we should fall back on those initial faith moments and remember the good things that God has done in our life. Right? When, when the storms come, not if, 
But when the storms come, when, when, the, when the darkness comes, we should reflect back on the good that God has already done in our lives. Remember, it, it was only hours earlier that the disciples had been identified as the insiders. Right? It was right before this that Jesus had, had told them that they were the recipients of the secrets of the kingdom of God. And yet, they will repeatedly waver and fail. And so will we. The same commentary that I quoted from earlier, it says this. It says, but Mark's gospel is not a call to make our lives like the disciples, but to follow Jesus and to align one's life with God's kingdom purposes. I'll read that again because I think it's important. Mark's gospel is not a call to make our lives like the disciples. That is not our goal. That is not our calling. We are not trying to be like the disciples, okay? But to follow Jesus and to align one's life with God's kingdom purposes. And if we do that, we can have peace, even during the turbulence, even during the storms. I don't think I have to tell you guys, but God doesn't always quiet the waves. God doesn't always calm the storms that are raging in our lives. And it's so much easier to, to trust God in the sunshine, right, or, or while we're on dry ground, well, we can, we can look around and we can personally verify our, our security, our safety. Or we can look and, and see the solution with our own eyes. In so many ways, though, this, this sums up everything that's wrong with the sinful nature of our world and our separation from God. Because after all, the, the, the problem of sin is mankind choosing to go his own way instead of God's way, right? That's ultimately the problem. The original sin, Adam's sin, is inherent in each and every one of us, and it separates us from God for eternity. Every single one of us are guilty of that sin. But he loves us more than we could possibly understand. God loves us more than we could, we could ever Imagine, God wasn't okay with the result of our choice. He wasn't okay with it. He knew that our choice to sin brought each of us this, this eternal death sentence. And so he, he made a way to bring us back into that perfect relationship with him. And our only hope in that is to cling to him. To cling only to him. It's dependent upon us casting away our, our faith in ourselves. Because we're completely helpless. We can do nothing to deter this, this oncoming punishment that we deserve. Only Jesus' sacrifice and his victory over sin and over death can, can, is capable of, of paying that debt that we owe. And that's why Jesus is he's really reminding us here to to fear the creator, not the creation. Fear the creator, not the creation. Right? Like faith says that I am trusting in God, that he is in control even when I am not. When we respond to fear with faith, we're saying we are trusting in God, that he is in control even when I'm not. Faith is really this, this healthy fear of the Lord. Anxiety, on the other hand, when it leads to anxiety, that's when we start trusting in ourselves. 
We're trusting in our own abilities, our own power to save us, and that leads to anxiety. And anxiety is really the fear of the storm instead of the one who created the storm. Right? So Jesus gives us this great reminder here to, to fear the creator, not the creation. Jesus is the only one who wills you to and through the storm. Look at what it says here in Psalm 46, beginning in verse 1. It says, God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. So we will not fear when the earthquakes come and the mountains crumble into the sea. Let the oceans roar and foam. Let the mountains tremble as the waters surge. And then a little bit later here in verse 10, be still and know that I am God. I love that. I love that command. Be still and know that I am God. I want to close with the question that was raised by the disciples back in verse 41. They said, who is this man? Who is this man? Even the wind and the waves obey him. The answer is he is God. He's God and he is good. And through much pain and, 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 and trial, Jesus secured our salvation. That's the gospel. That's the message of the gospel. Every single one of us has this eternal death sentence because of our sin. And God says, I'm not okay with that, and so I'm going to send my most precious possession. I'm going to send my only son. And so Jesus, he leaves his throne in heaven to come down to earth and live this perfect life. And then to die a sinner's death for us. He knew no sin. He was completely sinless, and yet he went to the cross to pay the price for our sins so that you and I can be forgiven, so that you and I can spend eternity with God in heaven. That is the gospel. Jesus didn't try to take the easy road. I was the furthest thing from it. Jesus is our example of reacting with faith in the storm. He's our perfect example of reacting with faith and trusting in God whose will is good. We cannot forget that God's will for us is good. Jesus' suffering brought us peace. He is God. And he will deliver you and I through to the other side, all while, all while providing peace and comfort in the storms in this life. That's the answer. Who is this man? He is God. He is good. He loves us. And he brings those storms in our life, not because he's bad, but because it is so good to cling to him, to trust in him, to put your hope in him. And so that's, that's the question is how do you react to fear? How do you react to fear? My hope and my prayer is that when you know who Jesus is and you know what Jesus has done for you, that you can react to fear with faith. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you for, for who you are. Thank you for being a God who, <clears throat> who does care, for loving us enough to, to provide a way for us out of our sin. 
God, you didn't leave us just stuck here to fend for ourselves. You gave us this incredible gift of grace, God, and you sent your son to pay the price, to pay the amount that we owe. And so, God, I, I pray that as, as, we, as we go on with our lives, God, as we go home from church and go about our regular weekly activities, God, that, that there could just be something different in our lives, something different in our hearts. God, that in the midst of the storms that are raging, God, I know, that, I know there's people here right now who the storms are just crashing down on them in their life right now. That in the midst of those things, that we could respond with faith. That we could know that you are in control, God. It is not up to us to save ourselves, God. It is not up to our power and our will to get through it. You are in control. You are God. And your will for us is good. So God, bring comfort, bring peace into those lives who are, who are struggling right now and just looking for you. God, make yourself known to them. We're so grateful to have a God who loves us that much and who also forgives us when we screw up. God, Jesus' patience in this, in this story, God, the, the way he just lovingly protects and reaches out to his disciples, God, what? What an amazing picture of the love that you have for us, the patience that you have with us. So we thank you, God. We praise you for everything you're doing in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.